Today's episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network is brought to you by Patreon. Long live the mag. If you want the site and podcast to continue going strong, please consider pledging any dollar amount to show your love and support for what we do. Any amount is greatly appreciated. Your help will help feed the bloggers, help us get to track meets uh, across the country. Uh, we will be at the U.S. Championships in Des Moines in just a couple weeks. So if you're in town, say hi. We're actually planning on uh, thinking of doing a shakeout run that Saturday morning. So stay tuned for those details if you are in the area. Um, we're also looking for more uh, sponsors for the podcast. So if you are interested or you know a uh, company or someone that's interested, uh, shoot us an email, uh, contact at SidiousMag.com, or you can shoot it directly to me, Chris at SidiousMag.com. Um, we can pass along some more details. Um, but Patreon has definitely been a big help, and the trip to Des Moines would not be possible without the support from some of our backers, because uh, we've been on the internet for 16 months now, creating mostly high-quality articles, podcasts, videos, everything centered around the ins and outs of the running world, uh, and it's by the common runner, for the common runner. Pretty much, you could be a washed-up college athlete, you could be someone who ran track in high school you could be someone who's you know 50 years old and still getting out there every single day whoever you are Sidious Mag is making stuff that you'll find relatable insightful and maybe a little bit funny so as we head into our second year on the World Wide Web we have some big plans for some new and exciting stuff and your support will help us get there um, so visit patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Sidious Mag the link will also be included in the show notes so uh, long live the mag and uh, support the support the site my guest for today's show is arguably one of the biggest surprises in running in recent years it is the one and only Sarah Sellers who is a full-time certified registered uh, nurse anesthesiast who finished second in April's Boston Marathon behind Des Linden it was just her second marathon uh, like it's unbelievable and it was the first time since 1979 that two Americans finished 1-2 in Boston's Open Division, I believe. Um, and, yeah, it was a crazy story. No one really knew who she was before the race. And then she blew up the Internet. There were pieces all over the place that were just like, who is Sarah Sellers? Sarah is a former track and field athlete from Weber State, and she still lives and trains in Utah. She was a nine-time Big Sky champion from 2009 to 2013 and earned Big Sky All-Conference honors 15 times in her career. So uh, I decided to catch up with her while she was in New York because she's going to race the New York Roadrunners New York Mini 10K, which when it was established in 1972, it was the world's first road race exclusively for women. Uh, so Sarah is reuniting with Des Linden and third-place finisher uh, Krista Duchesne uh, to run in a, what is going to be a really deep 10K field in Central Park. So I caught up with her on Friday, and so I decided to turn this episode around pretty quick. And uh, it's, uh, I'm sure you'll get to know Sarah even better through, uh, through this interview. So uh, let's start the show. All right, I'm joined now by uh, Sarah Sellers. So, Sarah, uh, first off, you're in New York City in an elite race with the New York Roadrunners, lining up against Des Linden and some like elite Kenyans. Like, did you ever think like 
before Boston that this would be the case, like this, like less than six months later. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> Didn't imagine, um, yeah, having this opportunity. So it's, it's really cool to be out here. Um, how do you kind of approach a race like this? And just given everything that was like the Boston Marathon and just kind of like the celebration that uh, that took place afterwards, like for you, I guess, when did that hangover stop? Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'd say a month later. <laughs> it was probably, I mean, I kind of thought that like 24 hours after the race that things would die down, and I, I was totally naive. I had no idea what I was in for. <laughs> so um, definitely the first few weeks after the race were really crazy because I went back to working full-time, and um, I was still, you know, trying to get back into training after a couple weeks, but juggling, like, um, you know, a lot of interviews and things that um, were really exciting and really cool, but also, like, meant that um, it was kind of adding to, you know, the time commitments that I was already juggling. So, um, yeah, it's been good to finally be settling somewhat into a routine. Um, and as far as, like, approaching this race, um, you know, I'm trying to just be positive about it, and it's a really cool experience to be out here and to line up with these women. I mean, I, I seriously am just blown away at who's in the field, so... I feel like it's a, it's a really cool opportunity, um, and I feel like I have a lot of progress I need to make, and so really I'm just going to take it one race at a time and just try to make progress. Right, because it's like, how do you bury just, like, the, the fact that it's like, you don't want to be, like, a one-hit wonder, because and exactly. it's like, that's kind of, the it's... It, it, the achievement in Boston was just so so high. Exactly. And I guess, how do you bury just that subconsciously? Yeah, I think um, I've tried to take the approach of thinking of Boston as showing the potential that I have because, I mean, realistically, like, there were a lot of crazy factors, obviously, that happened that day in Boston and are not likely to be repeated. Um, <laughs> but I think um, it gives me confidence that I can be up there, that it's going to take a lot of work. Like, I'm... Uh, you know, not running near, the, I haven't run the times that these women have run, um, and who knows what's in the cards for me, but I think it's given me faith that if I put in the work, um, that hopefully I can be up there, and I can't expect it to be overnight, you know, I'm not suddenly going to be running these ridiculous times, but I think I can hopefully make the progress to be up there. And I guess you mentioned the whirlwind of, like, interviews that took place after yeah. the Boston Marathon. How many times do you think you answered the question, like, who is Sarah Sellers? Yeah. <laughs> Dozens, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Because that was the main question that came up, like, in the media room. It was, like, when the results started flashing up, it was obvious Des had won. Yeah. And then it was a couple minutes later, you just start to see some names pop up on the results. And then you were just kind of like, wait, U.S. won too? And then where it's like... What is going on? It's like this is this is really weird. And yeah. in the media room, there was like, "Who's Sarah Sellers?" And that was just everyone oh was gosh. saying. It. <laughs> um, so beyond, I guess, just like it, it, like the Washington Post put out like a really quick article where it was like, "Who is Sarah Sellers?" Because everyone was searching it on on Google, and it was just kind of just basic facts. Let's go, I guess, a little bit beyond that. How did where where does the Sarah Sellers story start? Um, so my maiden name is Collister. So I ran as Sarah Collister um, at Weber State University in Ogden, Utah. Um, I was a runner my whole life, um, always you know into the outdoors. I'd run with my parents in the morning before school and middle school. Um, and in college, um, I ran some pretty decent times, but I never did well at the end of the season. And I think partly it was 
you know, just juggling a lot of things, and I always got to the season either sick or injured, um, you know, when it came time for the championships. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of confusion, I'm sure, because I, you know, got married, changed my name, and <laughs> had been out of competing for years. Um, but I've, I've always been a runner. Um, definitely never had a result like second at Boston before, though. <laughs> when Can you, I guess, like, take us through what – Boston was like from your vantage point and just in terms of when you started the race um, you see like the elite women just take off and I guess like you, you were kind of there as well but how did you run your own race? Yeah so uh, my plan going into Boston in the months training for Boston I always kind of pictured running somewhat by myself um, because I wanted to be pre- prepared for that and not to be depending on anyone else's mm-hmm. race um, and then when the weather forecast, you know, kept showing torrential rain and um, crazy headwinds, um, I realized that really I was going to need to work with the other women in the race. Um, so, yeah, probably the night before is when I really came to terms with the fact that my race plan was going to just have to drastically <laughs> change. Um, and, yeah, during the race, um, it was really just trying to, about trying to conserve and um, be smart so that the last 10K I'd have something left and see where I could be. Is it a little daunting, I guess, when you are in that position where you're kind of running alone and you start to see some of these other runners like a Shalane Flanagan? And what was that like, I guess, passing them and just looking at just the pain that they were in? Molly Huddle, especially just seeing her yeah. in the final, making the turn onto Boylston Street. She's almost walking and it was it was yeah. kind of like... It, it was. Did it ever cross your mind, like, ooh, that could be me in, like, five minutes? Or did you just always feel good? I mean, I, I felt pretty in control the whole time. Um, you know, definitely the last three or four miles of the race are just about, like, hoping that you don't blow up. Um, but honestly, like, on the one hand, it was, it was really cool seeing, you know, Molly Huddle and Chilling Flanagan, but also it was heartbreaking because I know the kind of work that they've put into this. And... You know, I don't, as much as, you know, I'm competitive and I want to race people, like, I don't get any satisfaction out of seeing someone have a hard day and have, you know, the work they put in not pan out. And so, um, in some ways, like, it was really cool seeing them, but it also was like, yeah, it was scary because, like, (laughs) that could be me. And it was also sad because, like, I know what they've done to prepare for this, so. And even, like, the the Kenyan women, too, it's just, like, did did it, like also boost you up at any point kind of like kind of like well I'm doing a little bit better yeah it was yeah it was exciting from the standpoint of like um you know I went in thinking if I was really um gonna have a great day that I could be top 15 and so then when I was passing some of these women like I had no idea how many were still in front of them but I'm like I'm I'm probably in the top 15 if I'm you know around these women and then you cross the finish line what happens next um, I first thing was, you know, first I stopped my watch out of habit. <laughs> and then I was like, I, I need to find out what place I'm in. So I asked the volunteers standing at the finish line. And um, a few of them kind of looked taken back that I was, like, talking to them. And um, <laughs> then uh, one cute volunteer told me I was second. And um, I just kept telling her I wasn't second. And she kept <laughs> having There's to no repeat way. it. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the results and you're actually second at that point. You have, I guess, you're called into a press conference. What's that? Yeah. What's that? Like, you have to prepare for this on the fly, right? Just <laughs> yeah. 
No, it was, I mean, logistically it was crazy because um, I didn't have any dry clothes or, and I was, I mean, we were all freezing, you know, we were all sitting there shivering. So, you know, I did the press conference, um, yeah, in like wet clothes and freezing and it was, <laughs> logistically it was a little bit crazy. I didn't, um, I didn't really eat anything after the race until... Um, I had a couple graham crackers between the end of the race and dinner at like 7 or 8 p.m. And that's not what you want, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> and I just, I didn't even realize until I got to dinner that I was actually like starving to death because it was just such a whirlwind that I didn't feel hunger all day. Had it been any other day, like you wake up on a, on a Sunday and you see that weather forecast, would you have gone out and ran? For sure, yeah. Yeah, really? <laughs> because, yeah, I pretty much... Um, tried to make uh like set a standard for what things will um count as a reason not to run and the way i think of it is um if i make an excuse um for you know weather or whatever it is that i'm not going to run that day there's going to be a lot of other reasons that meet that same excuse level so i've kind of set the bar at that level so i try to put the bar at a place where it's like okay if i'm like actively super sick or whatever it is then I won't run but otherwise I try to not let anything get in the way of that that's so interesting because right like the same question was asked to like Andrew Bumbleo who you know trains with the like the Bowerman Track Club and uh-huh. right after the race he was like no way I would push uh, like I would push my long run like a day later okay in, yeah. in that in that case and it's like for you I guess there's just no excuses that's that's pretty incredible. It, it's kind of stupid sometimes <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it's a little OCD sometimes <laughs> Before Boston, what was the hardest race you've ever, ever run? Um, hardest race in terms of, like, uh, most pain, you think? Or in terms of... So that or the weather, yeah. So probably the most pain I experienced was during the Huntsville Marathon. Okay. Because um, that has a 4,000-foot elevation drop. <laughs> and I did no downhill training. I did no marathon training for it. I had just done some distance runs. And I was like, oh, I'll be fine. I went out at a pretty fast pace and... Um, my quads, the last 10K of the race were so trashed. Like I was in (laughs) so much pain and they actually, they held like a, immediately after the, um, after the finish, probably like 15, 20 minutes later, they had a little kids run around the block and they asked the winners of the men's and women's marathons to lead the kids race. (laughs) And the rule for the kids was that they weren't allowed to pass us for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I, have never in my life been not physically been able to run and I pacing that kids race like I, I think there's a video of it somewhere I'm gonna have to find because it was ridiculous like I could not physically run and they kept having to yell at the kids to slow down they, the men's winner actually didn't run it at all because he was like I can't and I was stupid and I did um, but yeah they kept yelling at the kids they're like Sarah can't run you gotta stay behind her so the kids are all frustrated because they're gonna have to hobble behind me so, so the kids run Harder than the last mile of the Boston Marathon? More pain, yes, <laughs> more pain. It was, it was excruciating. <laughs> Weather-wise, worst conditions you've run in before that? Uh, there was one run in college that um, it was, I think, like a 14-mile run on a Saturday, um, and the weather progressed from rain to sleet to snow during the run, and... Uh, it actually started out pretty sunny, and I was in uh, wearing a tank top, shorts, and gloves, and I was pretty hypothermic at the end. I actually ended at the 
women's locker room um, for our team. And, like, I, I run it in the walker, locker room. My hands aren't even working. I can't open the doors. Like, I go, I get in the shower, and I turn on the shower, and the hot water's broken. <laughs> so I'm just <laughs> oh, standing the there freezing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess, like, where do you want to, I guess take that memory of the Boston Marathon and is, is it something where I know you want to build upon it for like future races but at some point like I think it's Frank Shorter said it's like in order to you know focus on your next marathon you have to like let go of the previous one or kind of like yeah. put it in the past yeah for you no it would, because Boston was was so significant how do, how do you do that yeah that's a good question I think um I'm really excited to just be back in routine and training because um, I think, kind of like I said, I still have a lot of progress I need to make. And so um, really Boston just, to me, shows me that um, I have the potential. Um, and I just, uh, it's a little bit intimidating if I picture, you know, like going out tomorrow and it's like, oh, I got second at Boston. But realistically, like if you look at the PRs of the women I'm running against, have I run anywhere close to them? Like, no, I haven't. And so... Um, you know, it can be intimidating to think, like, oh, I'm suddenly supposed to be, like, national caliber or international caliber in these different events and different distances. And, like, it's going to take time. And so, yeah, yeah just kind of trying to look, focus on the process. And then I, how do you map out the rest of your racing season? I, like, do you have an idea of what you want to do in, in the fall and then, I guess, before, like, the trials in, like, 2020? Yeah, I'm definitely going to do a fall marathon. Um, haven't committed to one yet. Um, and probably do some, you know, like a half marathon before that. Um, I'm going to do another 10K in Utah before that. Um, so kind of some shorter races. I think I'm going to be more conservative on the in terms of I'm not going to race a whole ton. And part of that is um, I'm going to keep working as a nurse anesthetist. And so... Um, for me, it's about like getting some good quality races in, but not, um, you know, I don't, I can't take all that time off of work and be traveling all over. So it's not going to be a ridiculous number of races. Right. And so I've had a couple guests on the podcast who they've, they work full time jobs and yeah. they are chasing Olympic trials qualifiers. What's your daily schedule like in terms of how do you manage your time? Yeah, so on date, I typically work four tens. Um, a ten usually ends up being more like a twelve hour shift. Um, so typically, uh, I'll get up at four in the morning, um, do either a distance run, or if it's a hard workout in the morning, I need to get up at like three thirty, three forty-five. Um, but usually, I try to do my hard workouts after work. Um, so I'll get up early, do that, and then it's always like a time trial, trying to get ready for work in time. <laughs> And then uh, I work from about 6.30 to um, typically 5 or 5.30, sometimes a little later. Um, then if I'm doubling that day, I'll come home and run again and then kind of just make dinner and go to bed. So days that I work, it's kind of busy. And it's, it's kind of, like, good to get into, like, a – like, for me, it's, you know, work – run, eat, sleep, repeat. It's just a routine that exactly. I, all of us have gotten into. Yeah, exactly. It, it just feels good after a while. It does, yeah. And if you if there's like, I don't know, you get injured or you, and you have to change that routine, it's always, you realize how much you miss it. After Boston, I guess you signed uh, like a sponsorship deal with, with Ultra. Yeah. Uh, how did that come about? And what was what's it like, I guess, to kind of now have some support behind you to, uh, I guess, continue pursuing like this this running dream that you have? 
Yeah, so um, Ultra contacted me pretty soon after the race, and I was really excited because they're actually um, a Utah-based com company, um, and, uh, you know, coming from a, a trail running background myself, I haven't done any trail races, but um, I kind of saw them as more a trail run shoe, and um, I just wasn't familiar with the road running side of it. Um, but, I mean, they have incredible shoes, and I think even more than, like, their products, it just felt like a total fit in terms of, um, you know, just it was almost like we have too much in common. <laughs> like, um, yeah, kind of both being Utah-based. And um, so it's been really cool to have that support. And um, that was actually a big factor training for Boston was, you know, I would put, I think my last pair of running shoes, I put eight or 900 miles maybe more on mm -hmm. the shoes. So I think, you know, having consistent shoes that I'm going through and that'll help prevent injuries and everything. Did you get a lot of calls and, and sponsorship offers after after Boston? Or was it, because I guess from a company's perspective, it's like, this was a great performance, but it's a, it's a risk because it's like, again, back to like the one hit wonder mentality. Exactly. It's like, we don't want just one per like the person to perform at one race and it exactly. was in the past, right? Right, so yeah, it was kind of, uh, yeah, mixed um, interest, I guess. There was um, a lot of media interest. And in terms of, like, sponsorships, um, yeah, it was it was very mixed. Yeah, there were some that it was kind of the attitude of, like, um, giving me a shot, but um, also wondering exactly that. It might as well one hit wonders. It's going to be the only thing I ever do in my career. And um, I can totally understand that from their their standpoint. And I'm... I'm in the same boat like I think consistency is a much bigger deal than you know one fantastic race mm -hmm. so that's what I hope to do with Ultra is to have consistency and you know perform like make progress I guess and then you also joined Twitter after the Boston Marathon yeah. how did that how did that come about and also it's like there's so many people where it's like, man, I wish I didn't see this tweet nowadays because it's like yeah. every, everyone's got opinions and, and all this kind of stuff. And there's a lot of trash on like Twitter yeah, for you uh -huh. to join it. And what's it what's been the outpour of support been like? Uh, yeah, it's been really cool. So I actually joined because Kara Goucher like <laughs> tweeted saying that, um, you know, something about can, that, that I wasn't on Twitter and um, can we get Sarah Sellers on Twitter? So I was like, okay, if Kara Goucher, she's like my idol. She calls me out for nothing on Twitter. Um, so I joined, and yeah, it's it's actually been really interesting. It's um, I feel like social media can definitely be a time sink, like an infinite time sink. Yeah. So I've tried to kind of keep that under control and um, respond to as many people as I can, but also like you know not let it be this massive time sink. What's been the most interesting thing that a fan or uh, someone has reached out to you to just either say or tell their story or about the impact of, of that race for uh, in Boston? Yeah, I think uh, it's been a lot of um, individual stories of people saying that um, they hadn't run in years and they decided they're going to get back into running. or uh, And that's, that's really cool because I feel like, you know, we're all kind of stuck in our routine and for people to be breaking out of their routines... Um, that's been pretty cool. Yeah, and it's like, I'm getting back into running, and maybe I could finish second in the Boston Marathon. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, I've got final three questions I ask all my guests. Uh, so first one is, what's the meanest thing you've read about yourself on Let'sRun.com? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Let me think about that. 
I actually kind of honestly. Everyone says they tune, <laughs> they tune it out, but occasionally the curiosity gets right. the best of us. I, and I have to admit to that. So, um, yeah, I, I truthfully, though, stopped reading most of the forums because they're actually, um, it was kind of disheartening how many, there, there were a lot of supportive comments. And I had yeah. to first recognize that people were um, very positive and supportive. But it's definitely the negative comments that stick out in your mind, like <laughs> those are the ones we remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, and the thing that hurts for me is like people commenting on like my body or the way that I look, and I feel like, especially women runners, like we're very yeah. self-conscious, and um, I don't know. I think I've seen other women and other runners experience that, and I hadn't really experienced that before. So that's why I kind of, at the moment, have stopped looking because those things get in my head and oh, yeah. I don't want to. <laughs> so I guess those are the things that it's a little bit. Um, and again, I, I want to say that the vast majority have it's been positive, supportive. Yeah. 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 Um, but there, there are those few comments out there that kind of make you oh, totally. wish you hadn't read the whole forum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, second question I asked all my guests is if you could go on a run anywhere in the world uh, with anyone from history, it doesn't have to necessarily be a runner. Uh, it could be a celebrity or anything. Who would it be, and where would this run take place? Oh, wow. Um, let me think about that for one second. Um, and I guess, like, a, as you're thinking about it, just, like, do you, like, you, Des is someone who you're kind of, like, just linked for forever in history, and so you've got to see her a bunch. Are there any other professional runners, I guess, that you haven't met yet that you're really looking forward to? Yeah, so I actually, during part of the race of Boston, um, I ran behind Dina Castor, yeah. and um, I didn't realize it for probably half a mile um, <laughs> who I was running behind. And when I did, like, I was just like giddy with excitement. I was like, can't believe I'm running like with Dina Castor, and um, so she's a huge hero. I mean, Kara Goucher, you know, we've connected over social media, but um, you know, I've read her blogs and um, you know her different social media posts for, for years and looked up to what she's done running and with her family for years um, and then there's a lot of my peers that I am both like um, you know hoping to compete with one day but also really look up to um, you know Jordan Hesay, Gwen Jorgensen um, I think it's really cool Gwen's doing coming from her mm -hmm. triathlon gold like that's awesome um, and I guess going back to your question in terms of a place I haven't been to Iceland, but I've okay. seen some pretty cool pictures there recently. So probably be like a, a trail run somewhere in Iceland. And in terms of a person, um, I would have to say, um, so I'm LDS and Gordon B. Hinckley is like my, um, one of my, he, um, died just a couple years ago, but, um, yeah, if I could, he was very active during his life. If I go on a run with him in Iceland, that would be pretty amazing. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, the last one has nothing to do with running. It's uh -huh. just uh, you get 25 shots from half court on a you know regulation-sized basketball court. Uh -huh. uh, if you make one, you win $25 million. If you make none, you go to jail for 25 years. Yeah. Would you attempt the shots? 
Oh, for sure. You would? <laughs> yeah. Okay, you've Life's got It's all about taking risks and going for it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's the same exact mentality that like someone like Molly Huddle has had like on the podcast where she's answered. She's like, without a doubt, yes. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, no, that's great to see. I mean, you belong with, with the rest of these uh, elite athletes, and uh, we're wishing you the best of luck, I guess, at, in the, uh, the 10K this weekend. Um, Thank and, you. Yeah, thanks a lot for taking time. Yeah, thanks so much. That does it for this episode of the CS Mag Podcast. Many thanks to Sarah for taking the time to do the interview. If you want to watch the New York Mini 10K and you listen to this in time, it will be broadcast on USATF.TV on Saturday, June 9th. Um, so that does it for this episode. I will have Ben Flanagan from Michigan, who was the big surprise at the NCAA Championships. On the first day, he won the men's 10,000 meters he is a fifth-year uh, senior and pulled off quite a, the kick at the uh, in the last lap to catch uh, Vincent Kiprop from Alabama and uh, win the NCAA title. And his reaction afterwards was priceless. He was just yelling, "It's like, where's my mom?" So I tracked down his mom and did a short item for um, Sports Illustrated, which you can catch on SI.com or just check it out. I've tweeted it out a couple times. Um, at Chris Chavez on Twitter. Um, so yeah, it, he's going to be a lot of fun. We On Instagram, we put out a call for anyone to submit their questions, and there's a lot, so we'll run through as many of those as possible. Should be a good one. I have spoken to him once, and it was just over the phone to so I could talk to his mom. And super nice and friendly guy. And it must be the, uh, the Canadian way. So um, look forward to that next week. Uh, but for now, uh, I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running. Oh, and by the way, go to patreon.com slash Mag and pledge any sort of dollar amount. We could use a little bit extra funds for this trip to Des Moines so we can feed Stephen Kirsch and Ryan Sterner and the whole crew. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for, for more stuff from the Sidious Mag crew.